Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast, Seven Secrets for Successful Safety Incentive Systems, sponsored by Aveta. My name is Barry Botino, and I'm an associate editor at Safety and Health. I'll be serving as the moderator for today's event. Before we get started, I have a few housekeeping items to share with everyone. As a disclaimer, the views of today's speaker and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or the magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we'll conduct a Q&A with our speaker. If you have a question, just click on the Q&A button located at the bottom of your screen, type in your question, and press the send button. You don't have to wait for the Q&A to begin to send us a question. We welcome those at any time during today's event. After this presentation, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, but I'll tell you more about that a little later. Finally, if you want to view any of our past webcasts, please visit us online at safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. With that, let's introduce our presenter. With us today is Bill Sims Jr., a world-renowned keynote speaker who is a regular on the list of top 10 speakers chosen by safety professionals at the National Safety Council's annual Congress and Expo. Bill is the president of the Bill Sims Company, and he's created positive reinforcement systems for the past 30 years that have helped organizations large and small inspire better performance from employees and increase bottom line profits. His first book, Green Beans and Ice Cream, The Remarkable Power of Positive Reinforcement, has drawn rave reviews from readers around the globe. Again, we thank you all for tuning into this presentation. And Bill, whenever you're ready, take it away. Brian, thank you. So nice to be with you folks at Safety and Health. And I see we're pushing a couple hundred attendees. Thank you guys for honoring me with your, your time. Aveta team, thank you guys for sponsoring me here. And I hope you get something out of this message today. Um, I, I picked the title, Seven Secrets of Successful Safety Incentives. I actually looked through my deck and I said, what seven would I pick? I think there's more like 77 here. So um, I couldn't pick the ones, but I, I believe we have under-promised and I intend to over-deliver for you today. Lovely day in, in, in Chapin, South Carolina, out on Lake Murray, just outside of Columbia, South Carolina. 51 degrees, beautiful fall day. Hope the weather is, is pretty where you are. I, I believe some of our friends, Barry and uh, Isidore, are getting snow up in Illinois as we speak, so uh, be safe out there. All right, a couple things to mention. <clears throat> There's a scan it code on the screen. Uh, you can scan that now with your smartphone, if you will, or make a note, greenbeanfeedback.com. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, if you go to that location, you can A, give me some feedback, how you like this session. I really appreciate that. I've had more than 100,000 people sit in your chair. I have asked for their suggestions. How can I make this better? I'd really appreciate if you would, would do that for me. And to reward you for that, to give you some ice cream, right, for, for the effort, I'll get you a copy of my audio book, Green Beans and Ice Cream, right, as well as uh, a video, what makes a great leader great, right? Very different approach to positive reinforcement than what many of you may be may, may be used to. So those are the two things that are in it for you. Again, greenbeanfeedback.com. I'll reference white papers through the session today, studies, 
any of that that you want, uh, the, the way you access that is you go to greenbeantreeback.com. Tell me what you want, and my team will take care of getting that to you. All right, so I think we got that out of the way before I forgot it. Let's see where we're going next. Uh, next up, we have a survey link that's going to be emailed to all of you after. You don't have to scan this one now. And if you will watch your email that comes in after this, we're going to ask you to give us a two-minute survey on the state of the union when it comes to safety incentives. I've uh, been honored to start watching this field uh, in the early 1980s. Safety incentives was kind of the new kid in town. Every safety person wanted to know it. And then we saw that kind of the sun began to diminish a bit as behavior-based safety began to rise with the work of Dr. Aubrey Daniels and Dr. Scott Geller and Tom Krauss. And now what we're seeing perhaps is a bit of a waning of behavior-based safety, and we're starting to see the rise of something called HOP and Safety 2.0. And if you have not heard about HOP and the new view of safety, you could email me and say, hey, I'd like to learn more about HOP and Safety 2.0. I have a keynote that we do on that called Lose the Big Stick, scored best session at NSC San Diego, integrating hop and behavioral science, right? We want to be careful. We don't throw out the baby with the bathwater as we move into safety 2.0 is, is my thinking. All right, three rocks to look under today, folks. We're going to move fast. What is positive reinforcement? Why do you even care as a leader? And again, the book and, and this topic will help a bit with that. The second area is how. How do we use positive reinforcement to move from good to great as leaders? And that's something I teach workshops on. And the third is what? What are the systems and tools you need to have in place to effectively measure positive reinforcement? Because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And so our topic today really talks about the what. What are some of the systems that companies use that you, many of you may be using to attempt to reinforce behavior? And is it effective? Is it not? What are some of the potholes you could encounter? What are the things that you might have blow up in your face as a safety professional? I didn't see that one coming, Bill. Well, I'm, I'm going to try to help you avoid some of those pitfalls if you're thinking about developing something. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Master Yoda. Now, I do have a couple of lightsabers over here. We don't have time or I'd bring them out and show you. But Master Yoda, for me, one of my great mentors is Dr. Aubrey Daniels. And Aubrey's from Lake City, South Carolina, not far from where I'm from, and uh, known Aubrey for 30 plus years. My dad knew him before that uh, from the 60s forward. Aubrey got his start with the South Carolina textile firms. Actually, I believe it was Roger Milliken. And oddly enough, his company was founded by Fran Tarkenton, the professional football player, right? So there was the Fran Tarkenton behavioral modification system. And that dates back, oh gosh, late 70s, early 80s, right? And, um, and, and that's where I first came to know about Aubrey when I read through his approach to human behavior. And I said, man, this is incredible, right? And, and I still favor Aubrey's work uh, probably more than any of the other behaviorists that I've read. And, and so when it comes to this debate about safety incentives, I'd say probably late 80s, 
you were hearing behavior-based consultants repeatedly bash safety incentives as being bad, wicked, and awful because of injury hiding. And, and I think there's some validity to that, right? We're going to talk about that. But they were essentially saying all incentives are wrong, bad, wicked, evil. And I really appreciated Master Yoda, Dr. Aubrey Daniels' comment on this. And this quote, I believe, dates back maybe early 1990. And you can see kind of what the, the hype that was going on here. At, at, he says, at a recent behavior-based safety conference, I heard speakers say they did not believe in safety incentives or gimmicks such as mugs, t-shirts, and the like as rewards for safe working behavior. They warned of the danger of dangling a carrot in front of people as a means of getting them to act safely. The implication was that safe behavior generated this way was inferior to behavior generated by other means. And what I have found is that safety people are like, why won't they just do it? Because it's the right thing to do. That's why I do it. Well, there's you know different things that motivate different people. I think that's one of the first lessons of behavioral science, right? And he says, uh, the words and phrases gimmick, dangling a carrot are emotionally laden and tend to convey a superficial approach and even sinister motive behind such attempts to get people to work safely. So Aubrey had me on the edge of my chair back in 1990 as I read this. He says, now, now let's see where he's going to weigh in. I was like, is he going to skewer incentives like some of the others or, or have a different approach? With all due respect to the experience of those who express such beliefs, the issue of whether incentives, gimmicks, and carrots have a place in developing an effective safety culture is not a matter of anyone's belief. It is an empirical matter. Incentives either work or they don't. So-called gimmicks, such as mugs, belt buckles, caps, and t-shirts, either work or they don't. There's 80 years of research on the conditions under which they work and do not work. When this body of research is ignored, it should not surprise anyone that many of the ways in which incentives are applied don't work. To say that people can, and very often do, misuse incentives and other forms of rewards is to state the obvious. People can screw up anything. That's a concept between, in, in Safety 2.0, right? Humans make mistakes. But to say that incentives should not be a part of an effective safety system is an opinion not supported by the behavioral research and inconsistent with the experience of many safety managers. Thank you, Aubrey, AKA Master Yoda. So now we've got a poll question. We're gonna see what you guys are thinking. Um, and there's three possible answers. Don't give your answer yet. Hold on, don't, don't get so fast on the trigger. Before you answer this question, forget that you exist. You're, you're, you're not in this equation. Take yourself out of it. And I want you to consider and think about the average employee working at the quick trip convenience store, cleaning the bathrooms, making minimum wage, the average worker at McDonald's making minimum wage, and Burger King. For that average worker, is a paycheck positive reinforcement? Now, there's three possible answers. You can say, no, I think it's just an entitlement. People come to expect it, but it's not really positive reinforcement. You could say, maybe, I'm not sure, Bill Sims. Uh, I think it depends on the worker. One person might rather uh, come to work 
to get a paycheck. Another one would rather go fishing and they lay out of work, call in sick. And last but not least, you could say, yes, I think a paycheck is positive reinforcement. All right, people, let's hear your answers. Crank them out. So give it just a minute, giving it a minute, letting you guys decide what you think, right? You can't vote but once, people. Okay, so um, let's go ahead and get the survey results. Is it possible for that to be push? Okay, I'm seeing it. Thank you so much, Isadora. I appreciate it. And let me just slide that over to where I can see what you guys. Interesting. 31% of you said no, right? That's about normal. 23% of you said maybe, I'm not sure. So thank you very much, maybes. Y'all attend the Church of the Undecided, just so you know. And oh, a decisive group here, 46% said, yeah, I think it is. And now, 46%ers, those of you who said yes, if you have the ability to raise your digital hand in this webinar, which you may or may not, I want you to raise your hand if you're a yes. Your digital hand goes up in the air. And folks, if you can see the folks who answered yes to this question, let me let you in on a secret. These are the highly paid people in the meeting. You ought to get their name and try to reach out to them at the next conference because maybe they'll get your bar tab Friday night, right? All right. Thank you very much. We're going to close that poll off. And what I'd like to just comment on briefly is, is what, what happened there. You guys, as a team of 200 plus people, have a problem. You disagree on the answer to my question. A lot of you say a paycheck isn't positive reinforcement. Many of you think, I'm not real sure, I'm on the fence. And a few of you, a good chunk of you say, yeah, it is. And this is exactly what every leadership team on the planet does when I go out and ask this question. Disney did it. Boeing did it. Kuwait Oil did it. They disagree. And why is that a problem? If you had me come in for a leadership session with your team, virtual or in person, your leadership team is going to do the exact same thing, be all over the map. Why that's a problem is this. If you can't agree as a team at your company whether something as simple as a paycheck is positive reinforcement, how are you going to execute on a strategy to deliver it? You can't. you got to be able to define it to do it, said Dr. Deming. So using the laws of behavioral science today, boys and girls, buckle your seatbelts. I am going to blow your mind and prove to you that a paycheck is positive reinforcement for you and every worker on the planet. Now, it is safety day, and we're about to celebrate 1 million hours without a single injury. Let me show, let me roll you the clip.
we have it. One million safe work hours. Now, you know, that's every safety professional's worst nightmare, right? Uh, but it really sums up a lot of what happens when we celebrate years of time without an injury being reported. We have a lot of at-risk behaviors going on, and we just ignore that, right? We're just, we're just rewarding the numbers. And to take that a step further with you, one day the president of the organization landed his helicopter here on the helipad, hopped out, and he said, you boys have been seven years without a single recordable injury. You're the safest rig in our company. And one worker reportedly said, no, we're not, sir. There's a lot of stuff going on that could hurt somebody here. Well, I don't have time for that now. I got to head off to the next rig. And so after handing out the barbecue dinner, the t-shirt, the, the Walmart gift card, that night, 11 men will die and a $100 billion nightmare will unfold. We study it today. It is the horizon event. And we have to ask ourselves during those seven years, did they truly have the presence of safety on that rig? Or did they perhaps instead rely on the absence of accidents? More important for you, well, I mean, the answer is obvious, right? They, they had the absence of accidents. And perhaps a more important question for you to ask your leadership team is, how do we know we have the presence of safety in our organization? And we're not relying on the absence of accidents. Every minute of the day, every job, every worker, right? Very different conversation. And now what we're learning in Safety 2.0 is a completely different definition of the presence of safety. The presence of safety is not the opposite of the absence of accidents. The presence of safety is the presence of capacity to fail safely. What does that mean, Bill Sims? Well, for that, you'd have to get the, the Safety 2.0 keynote that I mentioned called Lose the Big Stick. Just key it in and we'll uh, be happy to do our best to point you the right way. You know, OSHA said in 2010 in a webinar, Dr. David Michaels, he said, if you're rewarding people with pizza parties, t-shirts, money, anything, and your executives are getting KPI bonuses based on TRIR rates, we're going to shut you down. And people didn't take him seriously until XL Logistics was found to be rewarding people with money if they, if they kept recordable injuries below a certain level. And what were people doing? Putting duct tape on those cuts. Bloody finger goes in the pocket, take one for the team. Well, Excel was required to stop that lagging indicator incentive system and to implement an alternate system. Today, the law on the books, and I don't believe it's been changed, I haven't heard that it has, the official fine is $126,749 per person if they can document that your incentive program caused people to hide injuries. So in all of this debate about whether incentives cause people to hide injuries or not, and it's been going on, guys, 40 years, uh, you know, I, I've been at this probably 37, 38 years, and it was, this debate was raging before I got here, and it'll be here after I leave, right? I, I think we can, we can, we can say with, without a shadow of a doubt that lagging indicator incentive programs produce only one real change in behavior. What gets reported? That's it. The underlying at-risk behaviors are the same, the ones we saw in that video, right? The real question we should ask is not whether they cause people to hide injuries, because they do, right? I, I, I can prove it six ways to Sunday. 
The question we need to ask is, do they work? And for that, there again, we'd have to ask BP, right? All right, so suppose you uh, get assigned one day to be on the safety committee, right? Maybe you go to work for a company with about 100 employees, family-owned, and you know, the owner likes to pinch pennies, doesn't really want to spend money. Why do I need PPE? Can't they bring their own Band-Aids from home? Right, that, that kind of thing. And now you get you get told you're going to be on the safety committee and you go, oh, great. What do I got to do now? Well, we covered drug testing last month and our policy there. This month, we're going to talk about how to revitalize our safety incentive program. You know, we we just aren't getting the mileage from coffee and donuts and candy bars, free candy bars in the vending room like we've been doing. We need something to make safety fun. By the way, when I say the word safety, how many of you associate it with the word fun? I know all you safety guys are me, 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 but everybody else, non-safety, could care less, right? So you go out and do your homework, and you go to the Harley-Davidson dealership, and you found it. Boss, I got this great idea. You tell your boss, the owner of the company, let's buy this Harley-Davidson motorcycle. We're going to pay about 20 grand for it. And accounting tells me we're going to have to pay the income tax for the employee and a payroll gross up. That'll be another 18 grand, 38,000. Let's put the Harley on the top of the, the factory, right? With a disco ball and some lights. And let's play ZZ Top music 24 seven. Yeah, and let's tell everybody, hey guys, y'all go six months without a first aid case. Every name goes in the hat. Somebody wins the hog. And guess what? You, you're so happy with your new safety incentive plan you know this will make safety fun. And you go pitch your $38,000 Harley-Davidson incentive program to the boss man. And he says, hey, what? Why should I pay people to be safe? It's part of their job. That's a common belief. Maybe some of you have said it. Safety is part of their job. I heard a vice president of HR tell me one day, I said, what, what's your positive reinforcement system? We don't have one, Bill. Here, Bill, safety is a condition of employment. We shall hire good people, inform them of the safety rules, four telephone books thick, and terminate when they fail to comply. <laughs> That's really what she believed. If you believe that, by the end of this session or one of my workshops, I think you'll see things differently, right? And so when it comes to this question of why do I have to positively reinforce people, right? Um, I want to suggest to you, it isn't a paycheck enough. I want to suggest to you that compensation is a right. People show up at work that give you this level of performance to get that paycheck because compensation is a right. Now, nothing wrong with the muffin in the picture. I'm really not interested in eating it. It's just extra carbs I don't need, right? And and I got to lose the, those all those extra pounds from the pandemic, right? So compensation gets you here. But recognition is a gift. See, when you give people extra that you didn't have to, funny little thing about humans, we reciprocate, we give back. So you can go through life as a leader just doing this, but I suggest you will get way further down the path if you begin to understand how to harness the remarkable power of positive reinforcement. You do have to be careful what you reward. In 1980, when I began my career, 99% of the safety guys and gals were saying we're running reward systems that were classic old school, lagging indicator. It went like this. Hey, guys, 
If you go one month without a recordable injury in your department, everybody gets X, Y, and Z. I don't know what X, Y, and Z were. It could be a ball cap, a t-shirt, a barbecue dinner, could be anything. And what we learned pretty quickly was that these lagging indicator systems cause people to hide injuries. No big surprise there, right? Um, and, and, and of course, today we made the point that OSHA has made them illegal. Thank you, OSHA. I'm so grateful that, you know, you finally did that. On the other hand, and I'm proud to have been one of the first guys that started talking about this. We learned that in the early 80s, when you began positively reinforcing safe behaviors, you could reduce injuries without the toxic effects of injury hiding. So you have to be careful what you reward. I always say, be sure your systems pass the dead man's test. What is the dead man's test, Bill Sims? Don't reinforce things a dead man can do. Can a dead man go six months without reporting an injury? Yeah, he'll be fine. Put him back there in the corner. Just don't get too close. Can a dead man fill out a form and report a near miss, near hit? reinforce things a dead person cannot do. For those staunch proponents of lagging indicator incentives, executive bonuses tied to KPIs around safety, I submit this puzzle for you to solve, my friends. These folks all tragically lost their lives in January 1986 in the very first Challenger space shuttle crash. If we had said to them, and to NASA senior leadership, hey guys, you're each going to make a million dollars on your paycheck, extra bonus, astronauts, senior NASA leadership, if you can take that shuttle off and land it in one piece, would it have changed the outcome one bit in this scenario? No, it wouldn't, right? And that's, there's another fascinating study about this tragedy that we do in, in my sessions on HOP and, uh, and Safety 2.0, right? Why does positive reinforcement work? Well, does it work? American Society of Safety Engineers, now known as ASSP, right? They got their name changed. They did a study. Uh, 300 construction firms were in the study, three years. Half of them said, we're not going to have a system to reinforce safe behaviors. We will hire good people, inform them of the safety rules, and terminate when they fail to comply. Your safety award is your paycheck, dude. And, um, and that's what half of them said, classic old school thinking, right? The other half said, you know what? We're going to implement something to positively reinforce people for what they do to make a difference in safety. And guess what? Three years later, the ones that had a system had injury rates 50% lower than the ones that didn't. Come bid time, that's a game changer, right? Bob Nelson, 1996, asked the American worker, hey, what, what is it makes you come to work and give your very best? And the American worker says, number one, I want to make a difference at work and I want my boss lady or boss man to say something. Okay, positive reinforcement, autonomy, number one. How about more money? Yeah, more money would be nice. It's number eight on my list. For 30 years, folks, every survey done, number eight or lower, every survey done, positive feedback reinforcement, number one. And so then Nelson asked the American worker, how many of you have received positive reinforcement from your boss in the last six months? 
68% had never heard their boss tell them thank you. Today, post-pandemic, after the great destruction of our culture at work, I bet we're at 90% haven't heard it, right? We're getting worse, not better. So Nelson then asked the supervisors, the safety managers, the HR leaders, what do you think makes your employees give their very best at work? And the number one response, cash is king, money talks. Okay, you think money's number one? We know money's number eight or less, right? And do you occasionally think your people might like to hear some positive reinforcement from you, the safety director or the supervisor? Positive reinforcement, we got that nailed around here, Bill. We do it every Friday. It's called your paycheck, actual survey response. So there's an imbalance between what employees say they want and what their supervisors think they need. Supervisors think money's number one and don't even see value in positive reinforcement. Now, I want to clear up some big-time misinformation. When I read the safety magazines that come out, when I, when I hear people talking about what works, what doesn't, I, 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 I struggle because so much of it is opinion and not based on fact or empirical evidence. Let me give you some facts. The Incentive Federation of America, this is the the equivalent of the National Safety Council of all things incentives, which is a multi-trillion dollar industry in this country, right? And, and, and I used to sit on some boards and help there, and I just got busy with safety folks helping y'all, right? But the study they did was really, really very revealing. They asked some of the top companies in America, what kind of incentives do you use? And if you used it, it's in the white circle here. So you know, it's 100% here if you use it. And do you think it's effective at changing the behavior of your people? Then it's gray. Let's go over here to the far right. Cash is king. 45% of the companies use cash incentives and bonuses, and 58% think it's effective. Let's go to merchandise awards, Yeti coolers, Carhartt jackets, etc. Michael Kors, purses, watches, iPads. 51% use it. 43% feel it's effective. Gift cards for merchandise, Walmart, Visa. Here we have the one of the highest scores ever, 55%, right? Uh, are believe it's effective and 58%, I'm sorry, 55% use it, 58% think it's effective. And now we move to this one over here, tokens. And what that means is logoed company swag. T-shirts, ball caps, keychains. Get this, folks. 79% of the companies use it, but only 11% think it's effective. When I wrote my book, I questioned in the chapter, not another ball cap, why is the least effective motivator out there from the research the one that gets used the most often? And my answer is it's cheap, right? Doesn't cost much. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit more. So, so this is part of the part of the problem. People haven't done the research to really see what you know. What is it that motivates people in terms of a tangible reinforcer? Now, <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about the neuron study. This is very interesting. The scan on the left is a normal human brain hanging out, just listening to Bill Sims talk. The scan in the middle is your brain on money. If I give you a hundred dollars cash, you're going to light up like a Christmas tree 
this is the striatum, the endorphins are going to release, right? And by the way, folks, you ain't getting $100 cash from me just to set your expectations. I'm going to give you an audio book if you sign up for my uh, feedback, give me a little feedback, right? So we know that money um, stimulates the pleasure center of the human brain. Oh, let me just let you in on another little secret. And this will make safety people cringe. The same part of the human brain is stimulated when you engage in at-risk behavior, speeding, going skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, or 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. Yeah, your brain is stimulated again. It's a positive reinforcer. So what, are, what I'm telling you is that your employees actually enjoy taking risks. It's how we all work. We are hardwired to do it. So that, that makes your job that much tougher, right? That's why people think I can reach in and unjam that conveyor belt. I'm faster than the machine. I don't have to hit the kill switch, but they're not faster than the machine, right? But 198 times they are, and they get that little thrill, that adrenaline rush for taking that chance. All right, so back to the ranch, Bill. We know that money stimulates human behavior change. Look at the far right slide. This has endorphin release, striatum stimulation. We're getting the same impact as money, but we didn't give them money. We just had their boss tell them they did a good job. Question, does it cost any of you any money on this call to tell your kids, your spouse, your employees they did a good job? No. Why don't we do it more often? Why don't we do it more often? See, until your leadership team understands how to harness the remarkable power of positive reinforcement, here's what you're getting. You're getting just what you get from a paycheck. What you're not getting is all the things you could be getting, and those are worth millions of dollars to your bottom line. Surprise, surprise, surprise. I asked a thousand of your employees, what are the worst reinforcers management uses with you? The stuff you laugh about after the safety person or the supervisor leaves. And they told me pizza and ice cream parties, not very motivating. Logoed company gifts, one of the worst motivators. Donations to a charity, not very motivating, not feeling the love. Best reinforcers, guys, 100 years, praise from a boss or a peer, gifts, gift cards, cash, trips, days off with pay. Funny how this aligns with that earlier incentive survey we looked at. Mary Kay Ash said there's two things people want more than money. It's recognition and praise. And by the way, she gave positive reinforcement, verbal praise. That is one of the three subcategories of R+, positive reinforcement. We have self-reinforcement. We have social reinforcement and we have tangible reinforcement. And we break those down further in my, in my workshop. But she gave people positive verbal praise. Thank you very much for being number one sales lady in, uh, in this market in, the, in, in California, Southern California. Really appreciate it. Now, when we give people positive verbal praise, the research says they are twice as likely to repeat that behavior. Can y'all buy that? You tell your kid, good job for cleaning your room, doing your homework, they are now twice as likely to do it again. But here's where Mary Kay Ash left the others in the dust. Not only did she give them positive verbal praise, she gave them 9,000 pink Cadillacs a year, folks. 
That's what we call a tangible reinforcer. And the likelihood you repeat that behavior when we add a Yeti cooler or new set of golf clubs or a pink Cadillac to the picture, now it goes from two to five. Of all the behaviorists, there's only two, me and Dr. Aubrey Daniels, that embrace the pairing of social and tangible reinforcers. I have a patent on how to do it. Why do I advocate it? It works way better than verbal praise alone. It's way more sustainable. It's way quicker. It's just more effective. Now, Donna Prey Jean, 1981. Bill, I got a problem. I got 300 construction workers. They will not wear hard hats. Well, Donna, what's your behavior modification strategy? Well, pretty straightforward. Uh, I, um, I tell them, I ask them to put their hard hat on. And then if they don't, I ask them a little louder and meaner. And then if they don't do that, I yell and cuss. And then if they don't do that, I write them up. That's my, my, my four-part strategy. I said, well, Donna, and it ain't working. Uh, they're laughing at me. Um, Donna, if negative reinforcement isn't getting you where you want to be, would you consider positive reinforcement? I would if I knew what it was. Don't you worry. We're going to do an R-plus intervention here, Donna. And by the way, R-plus is an Aubrey Daniels uh, term that Aubrey taught me and, 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 and I think a really good one. I'm going to send you a kit. Contain 